When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Nugent Hopkins to win it. Between circle shoots and scores. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Stanley Cup playoffs start tomorrow. They're such a joy to watch, aren't they? Unfortunately, we will not be watching the Oilers in them this season, but they are always captivating entertainment nonetheless. We'll talk to a couple of NHL markets that are enjoying the playoff frenzy and uh, pretty cool at around 7.30 tonight. You know, hopefully you can stick around for this or tune back in. We'll talk to the guy who got the sticks out for Humboldt initiative rolling. He's going to check in on Inside Sports tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. If you want to reach out, of course, you can always text 630-630. You can also call 780-496-0063. The Blue Jays and the Orioles are scoreless. That's in the bottom of the fourth in Baltimore. All right. Well, where should we start this evening? Line goes after it, chopped it back down low now for Stastny, puts on the brakes, gets some help from Ehlers, back toward the line for Sherratt, doesn't shoot, now he put it towards Stastny, they score! How about that play, Ben Sherratt waited, it was a slap pass to Stastny at the side of the net, just a quick redirect, and it's 2-0 Winnipeg. What a season for the Winnipeg Jets. 52 wins, 114 points, only three points behind the Nashville Predators who won the President's Trophy. Unfortunately for the Jets, they're stuck in the same division as the Predators. But I'm going to guess fans in Winnipeg are pretty excited. But why don't we get Kelly Moore from our sister station, CJOB in Winnipeg, to tell you instead. Kelly, how's it going? Well, I'll tell you, they are going cup crazy here. And we don't even have to play a game because the EA simulator says the Jets are going to win in seven games over the Boston Bruins after they put away the Predators, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and the Minnesota Wilds. So I hope you enjoyed the playoffs. Yeah. Why watch? Why watch the playoffs now? EA has said it all. I think EA had Philadelphia beating the Patriots. Uh, so, you know, sometimes they're right. A uh, little yeah, who difference. Did, who did EA have winning the Stanley Cup last year? That's what I want to know, Reed. Like, 
Well, and I think so, at the beginning of the season they had the Oilers doing pretty well when they did their preseason one. So, so yeah. things change. That that is a fun storyline, and and you know if they're is, yeah, right, yeah. EA is probably going to put Patrick Line on the cover of uh, the video game <laughs> next year. Well, they they named him the uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. So, and now we return you to reality. To reality, right? Which is what we will try to talk about. But I mean, look, in, in reality, there there's no reason not to think uh, the Winnipeg Jets can do some damage. Now, Kelly, I'm going to be up front right at the beginning here uh, uh you know the, the young man by the name of bob stoffer who's on our station does a show called oilers now so he jack michaels and brendan Ulrich and i brendan's the producer for bob's show at the beginning of the season we did our stanley cup predictions and our playoff predictions and way back in october i took columbus over minnesota so out of stubbornness and because I hate being one of those people who change their predictions all the time, and by the end of the year they have 16 different Stanley Cup predictions, I stuck with Columbus over Minnesota, so I reluctantly had to take Minnesota to, to, to beat Winnipeg. From your perspective, though, what do you see in this series? Uh, what are the challenges the Wild will present to the Jets? Well, first off, Reed, I'll give you a speech like my dad used to give me. I admire your character, son. Your intelligence is another story. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, all the, the all the stars point to Winnipeg winning this series, Reed. But as we know, uh, you just all you have to do is even go back to last year. Who would have ever thought a number eight seed like the Nashville Predators uh, would go all the way to the Stanley Cup final? You know, did anybody see them sweeping Chicago? You know, so I don't think you can. I don't know that you can ever say anything is ever locked in stone. So uh, you know, uh, I, I think especially with as competitive as the National Hockey League was this year, no one is out to lunch if they pick an underdog. But uh, I think if these two teams play over five or six or seven games, however long it goes, if they play the same way in the playoffs that they did in the regular season then the Winnipeg Jets will prevail because they're just a little bit better than the Minnesota Wild in, in each and every category. I mean, when you, when you boil it down to the matchups, yes, Minnesota does have playoff experience, but if you take a look at the fact, you know, yes, they, you know, they, they made the playoffs for the sixth straight year, but six out of the last seven years, they've begun a series 0-2. So how much has that experience really taught them? Uh, the flip side of the coin, though, Reed, and this is going to be the big storyline and, and somewhat the elephant in the room for the Winnipeg Jets going into the playoffs. They are 0-8 as a franchise. They have never won a playoff game. Now, they played well enough to win a game or maybe even two against Anaheim three years ago when they had the lead for the majority of all four That's games right. yeah. but wound up losing all four games. So we'll see how much they've learned from that. But their mental toughness is going to be tested if they don't win the first and especially the second game in this series. Then all of a sudden it becomes, well, this is the franchise that just can't get it done in the postseason. So they have that little bit of a, a, a of an extra challenge facing them right off the get-go. Yeah, well, and and, and that's fair. And we've all seen steer, series where it, it just starts rolling the right way for a team or the wrong way for a team. And I think that's a concern for anybody, for sure. That's a good point, and especially with the, the Jets mentality. L- look, just just to, to look back on, on, on the season, and, and you've been around it, 
every day. You know, I'm following it obviously from afar, and the Jets handled the Oilers well, really easily twice this season. The other game was close, but uh, they beat them all three times. The, the Jets shaved. Uh, what are we at? I think it was 38 goals off, so basically half a goal per game, and that yeah. was the big difference because because last year they and the Oilers in goals four were one goal apart in goals four, but Edmonton right. was top 10 goals against, and Winnipeg was bottom 10 goals against. So is this all a, a goaltending and defending turnaround, or, or, or how do, would you classify it? Yeah, I, I would say for sure. Connor Hellebuck, uh, as, as much as Blake Wheeler has had an MVP-type season, and it's one of those years, Reed, where I don't remember there being so many legitimate contenders for the Hart Trophy. I mean, it, it's just astonishing you know, that there are nine or ten guys that could really win that award, and, and you'd kind of say, well, you know, I'm disappointed that maybe this guy didn't win, but, yeah, I, I could see where this guy took it. So, But Connor Hellebuck uh, is the MVP of this team over Blake Wheeler. Uh, without Hellebuck, uh, this team would have been the same as it was before. They can score a lot of goals. They just can't keep the puck out of their net. It has been a long time since I saw a goaltender be able to tend the net the way Connor Hellebuck does with a minimum of movement and a maximum of efficiency, if that makes does that make any sense? I think so. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just he makes he makes tough saves look easy. You know, he's he's not a reaction type goaltender. He is a he loves to talk about the details that he's worked into his game. And so I'm going to just call him, he's a detailed goaltender. He just is able to get in the way of pucks. But what's more importantly is most of those pucks just get eaten up. There are very few second and third chances because he's in perfect position to get that puck and then to absorb it. So uh, that, I mean, when we started this season, Reed, there were a number of things that the Winnipeg Jets had to get better at. First and foremost, they had to have consistent goaltending. Well, they certainly did get that and more from Connor Hellebuck. They had to learn to stay out of the penalty box, which they did. They were they had 274 power plays, and they were shorthanded 274 times, but they did a much better job with their power play than the other teams did because their penalty killing certainly improved uh, a ton. So that, in, 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 in essence, then cut down on the goals again. So better goaltending, better team defensively, and, uh, and improving the penalty kill. Because they could always score goals. That was never an issue for this hockey club. Uh, but, uh, you know, they just did such a good job at winning 2-1 and 3-2 type games and also being able to come from behind and at least get a bonus point or two. It was kind of interesting at the beginning of the year. They couldn't win an overtime game to save their lives and yet, down the stretch, they were able to win six of them in a row. So, yeah, well, uh, they, they've had little—you know—they've had little accomplishments all the way along the year. And, and all those overtime points still add up at the end of the year, like you said. Sure if you do. find yeah. ways to, to win, or, or I've always said with with uh, overtime or shootout losses, how you feel about them depends on the game before and the game after. You go two zero and one, you're happy. You go zero two and one, you know. Then all of a sudden, that point doesn't seem so good. Uh, Kelly Moore joining us from CGOB in Winnipeg. A lot of the stuff you were talking about as strengths, goaltending and penalty killing are, are things that are, are 
that killed the Oilers this season. So, you know, it, it, it's funny, and, and Oilers fans are obviously hoping for a bounce back in, in those departments this year. What what can you say about about uh, uh, about Kevin Chevalier as GM, Paul Maurice as head coach? Because I think, you know, last year at this time, there, there were... There was probably speculation and probably some fans who thought, okay, enough of these guys. We maybe need to go in a different direction. Well, I could tell you that, you know, and that might have been the the mindset of people outside of the organization. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not quite as uh, in the loop uh, with the uh, the Jets that Stoff is with the uh, the Oilers. But I, I do know I, I've, I've been around the hockey club for a lot of years, so I could tell you unequivocally Kevin Sheveldayoff wasn't going anywhere because what he had been doing in building this hockey club is exactly what ownership wanted him to do. Uh, it was kind of interesting with Paul Maurice. There was a lot of speculation on whether he'd be a lame duck coach or whether he'd, he'd get the extension. And there was still, it was kind of probably a 50-50 type of reaction, Reed, when Paul did get the extension. But uh, they have been building towards this, and Kevin Sheveldayoff and his scouting staff have done about as good a job. I'm not going to say the best, but they have done about as good a job as anybody has done in the National Hockey League. I know there are no other teams in the league, because I did the research, that you can look back and say for the last six years in the draft, starting in, in 2017, that they have their first pick that they took. So if you had two first-round picks, you know, the first of those, they have all six of them playing in their lineup and playing meaningful minutes. The the closest team to that are the Philadelphia Flyers. They had five. Uh, and, and then, of course, the, you know, the bonus is what can you do in the middle rounds? Well, Connor Hellebuck was a sixth-round pick. Adam Lowry was a fourth-round pick. In the previous administration, I think Ben Sherratt was a seventh-round pick. Sammy Niku, who just won the Eddie Shore Award in the American Hockey League, only the second rookie to ever be named the Outstanding Defenseman. He was a seventh-round pick in 2015. But if you look at their first-rounders, Mark Shafley is a stud. He's their number one setter. Uh, Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey are their number one defense pairing. Nikolai Ehlers is as exciting as a player is in the NHL. And then you have Patrick Lyonnais and Kyle Connor. You know, who, who uh, combined for 74 goals between the two of them. That's that's a pretty good murderer's row of first-round draft picks. So if anybody had thought, well, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff isn't doing his job, I'm not quite sure what you would expect. Yeah, but you nailed it with some of the picks outside of the first round, too. Yeah. And, you know, to yeah. tie it back to Edmonton, that's been, that's been an Oilers' weakness. Kelly, uh, we're going to have you on again. Uh, I, I know the Jets are, I think, a team a lot of Canadians are, are getting behind as now, they're, as now their favorite team if theirs is out because uh, I know, especially for people in the West, the choice between Winnipeg and Toronto is probably an easy one. But that's a story well, for another I, day. Thanks for yeah, checking I, in tonight, buddy. <laughs> You bet. I got to say, Reed, like watching Edmonton in those two rounds last year brought back a lot of love for watching Stanley Cup hockey because there is nothing, there is nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs in a Western Canadian market. Well said, buddy. Enjoy it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Reed. That's Kelly Moore checking in from our sister station, CJOB in Winnipeg. Well, that is a good club. And, uh, 
I, I appreciate what he said. He admires my character for sticking with my preseason pick of Minnesota, but questions my intelligence. And I question my own intelligence. But, uh, you know, look, it, like you said, it's close. I think Dubnik can steal games for the Minnesota Wild. I do think they have experience, though, as Kelly said, that experience hasn't helped them a lot in recent seasons. The Jets are the real deal. We'll break down a little more with them. And uh, this is the fun day. Usually before we go into something big, whether it be a Grey Cup or a Super Bowl, at the start of the playoffs, you can text me your Stanley Cup prediction, who beats who in the final. And remember, we only bring it up if you're right. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, Jim, our first predictor through on the text line 630-630. Boston over Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. There's more rolling in. I will spice in some of your selections throughout the show. Great to have Kelly Moore on Inside Sports. Covers the Jets for CJOB in Winnipeg, and he made great points about how the Winnipeg Jets have drafted. And I remember we did a segment on this show a couple of months ago about the Oilers' poor drafting record after the first round, and specifically even after guys they've gotten because they've won the lottery or drafted first, second, or third. And the Oilers haven't had a lot of depth players who have been, or a lot of depth draft picks who have been contributing players. They've had very, very few, in fact. You look at Winnipeg, Adam Lowry, they got 67th overall, third round back in 2011. He's played 281 games. Only played 45 this year, but had a nice 15-goal season. Played all 82 games last year. Now, also in 2011, they got Mark Shifley 7th. So, so a high pick, but obviously a good player. Uh, I mean, Connor Hellebuck has to be the big one now. When you look at a guy who's you know very likely going to be a Vesna Trophy uh, finalist, I, I would think he has a pretty good chance to be in the top three in the voting. 130th overall in the fifth round in 2012. One of the leading goaltenders in the NHL this season. Not a star player by any means. Depth pick, Andrew Kopp. Now 23 years old. He was taken in the fourth round, 104th overall in 2013. Played all 82 games this season. Nine goals, 28 points. 224 NHL games to his credit at the age of 23. So they found guys who have been able to fill in some uh, you know, positions on the third and fourth lines on their lineup. And sure, of course, they got line A second overall. You know he was going to be a star. But even a guy like Kyle Connor, he was a first-rounder, but 17th overall. So... Not way up there, not a top five, six, seven pick. You're getting later in the first round, more options. That was in 2015. They got Connor. Actually, they took him right after the Islanders. Uh, uh, after the Islanders took Matthew Barzell and Kyle Connor, really good young player. So the Jets have been able to draft well, build around what they uh, already had, and the goaltending clearly the big key for their turnaround this season. But you got to draft if you can't bring the guys along internally because you can't win by chasing free agents and always trying to make trades and that's another thing that still hurts the Oilers George says it's the Predators year Uh, Predators over the Bolts in six and another texter says uh, New Jersey beats Vegas in seven the Oilers are out so I don't really care but I would love to see Halsey and Maroon hoist the cup it would also be wicked to see a cup final played in Vegas. Well, 
Some of you have been to games there. I know Rob Brown went to a game in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And just said it's an absolute party. They've done an outstanding job. Oh, how appropriate. Brian Blessing from the Vegas Hockey Hotline is our next guest on Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Still scoreless, Blue Jays and Baltimore game in the top of the sixth. Western Hockey League playoffs, all four series on the ice tonight. One game underway, Brandon leading Lethbridge 1-0 late in the first period. Lethbridge leads the best of seven series, two games to nothing. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. Hey, I don't mind telling you, it's not too early. May 27th will be our first Eskimos broadcast when they take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in a preseason game. We will have live hockey for you. We'll uh, bring you broadcasts of the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. And as I bring Brian Blessing onto the show from the Vegas Hockey Hotline, Brian, a lot of Edmontonians, people listening, think the Vegas Golden Knights might be broadcast on this station when we get down to rounds three and four. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be wild, huh? I mean, uh, it's going to be crazy around here, Reed, and uh, as, as remarkable as the Golden Knights have been, we're all still surprised the flight that the Oilers suffered through this year. So uh, I think, if anything, it just tells you that enjoy every second you have when you're in the big dance. You know, I mean, if you've got your toe in the water, be happy because this thing can be fleeting. Brian, I, I want to ask you something here, and we've talked a few times throughout the season, but obviously, if you know, thousands of Oilers fans went to Vegas for, for the games there. Uh, Rob Brown, who I work with, has, has been to games there. And it's been described to me as a party. Now, is that because the team is so good that, that people have latched on it to it and it's created a buzz in that building? Or, or was that going to be the plan anyway by the Golden Knights, you know, the promotional people and, and the management and all that stuff that said, regardless of what we want on the ice, you know, we, we got to jazz it up and, and make, make it Vegas when people come to a hockey game. What's the root to that, the, the buzz in that building? You know, the, the funny thing is, Reed, it's still hockey's the star. You know, I mean, it's not a, a goofball thing wrapped around it. I mean, the, the, the game presentation's loud, it's fun, it's interactive. Uh, the visiting fans were, without doubt, a huge component to this. Uh, and it was, it was a very educated fan base right out of the gate. Uh, and there's just a defined buzz in the building. Uh, you know, when, if it's a, a, a monstrous crowd from Edmonton or a couple thousand from Columbus that are there, the visitors always had a little noisy quotient. And then the home fans felt the need to defend their barn, and the players, I think, gravitated to that. And I know I talked to you before this ever started, and I knew I had told you because I, I'd seen this set of circumstances in Buffalo where the lead fans would come down and the building would be 60-40, and depending on how bad the Sabres would be, it could be 50-50 or even 60-40 league fans. And the two worst teams in the league could be playing. And it was great hockey with passion and intensity because there was such a buzz in the stands. And that's what's happened here. Basically, 40 of the 42 nights. There are only two nights that I can remember the whole season where it was marginally quiet. That's it. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's even marginally quiet. I love I love that term. We're gonna borrow that. I don't know where I would apply it, but the but that's a good one. Uh, okay, I gotta. I, I want to talk about the series in, in L.A. I want to throw another one at you here um, because our our final Oilers broadcast. Uh, the other night had uh, Jack and Bob and Brendan Ulrich, who produces Oilers now, and we started talking about a ward. Oh, no, he was before the Vegas game, the second last game of the season. And Jack, by the way, did not put Gerard Gallant as his first vote on Coach of the Year. He put uh, Bednar in Colorado. But I would think Gallant is a favorite to win Coach of the Year. I would think McPhee is a favorite to win General Manager of the Year. Let me ask you this. Where do you put Flurry in the Vesna race, and where do you put Carlson in not just the Selkie race, but also the Lady Bing? I mean, could there be five individual trophies for the Vegas Golden Knights at the end of the year? I'd go on to stroke on the board. I mean, he's the coach of the year. I mean, it's not even a contest. The general manager of the year, I said all along, if Colorado got in, and he's not, I'm watching surveys and polls, Sackick's name's not mentioned. I would vote for Sackick. They had 20 wins last year, and this guy got pitched for it for a year and a half over the Duchesne thing, and then he gets seven assets for the guy and makes the playoffs. I'd make Sackick the, the GM of the year if you ask me. Carlson deserves consideration for the Selkie. How is the guy not a gut cinch to win the Lady Bing. 43 goals, uh, 12 penalty minutes, plus 49. And, oh, by the way, he kills penalties. Right. I I, I mean, I think he should, the Lady Bing, I mean, he, he should be marginally, he should at least be fifth or sixth in the discussion for the heart, the kind of year he has. Uh, you know, but I think the Lady Bing's an absolute gift for this guy. And, and did Flurry play enough games for the Vesna? Because he, he had a nine thirty plus save percentage. I would say no. Yeah, personally, but he did play, and I thought they played him uh, way too much down the stretch. Uh, they got away with it, uh, but he he played. He had such a remarkable season. Reed, he really was spectacular. Uh, I I personally think he did play enough. All right. Brian Blessing joining us from the Vegas Hockey Hotline in Las Vegas. Golden Knights and Kings coming up. You mentioned down the stretch. Obviously, the Golden Knights were here, uh, well, last Thursday, less than a week ago. Uh, good game. Oilers were able to pull it out. Vegas didn't have everybody in the lineup, but there's no Perron, uh, no Marsha Show, uh, I think no Riley no Smith, Smith. Smith as well. So I think three of their top four or five scorers. Are they, and I know I was talking to a couple of the, the beat writers as well who said, well, they're hurt, but maybe, you know, if this was a different situation, they could play. Are, are the yeah. Golden Knights pretty healthy going in? What do you see there? Practice yesterday and today. Uh, Smith did play the final game against Calgary. Smith looked good in practice. Uh, and I, I will tell you, uh, the guy that looks like a man possessed and was a Cape draft was Perron. Now, they, they got him in a green jersey today on a, on a line that would be almost the black aces here. Uh, but I, there's no way I can't see him not playing tomorrow. But he looks spectacular uh, in practice. And the other guy that would be a very big boon to this team uh, would be the return of Lucas Spiza to the lineup, who has missed an inordinate amount of time this year. But when he was in there, he was a really good contributor. And if you know, when the Blues were in, he played against Karasenko all the time. When the Sabres were in, he played against Eichel. So I think Spiza could actually be a big difference maker. He's been out for quite a while, but he was on the ice today, and uh, if he goes, he'll probably be paired with John Miller. 
Do you think Brad Hunt's going to be in the lineup? And I ask about Brad because he was in Edmonton. He is a, a pleasure to deal with. He's the Masterton nominee for the Golden Knights. Good for him. I mean, he's he's a guy who you could have gone and played in Europe or, or you know a couple summers ago if if he would have said you know what it's time to move on from hockey. No one would have no one would have faulted him. Do you think he'll be uh, in on opening day or opening playoff day? I concur with everything you said. I mean, Nate Schmidt is. Is just an unbelievable personality, and Brad Hunt is a close second. Uh, the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And it, what was remarkable about him, he'd have stretches. He'd be out six games, seven games, come right back in, contribute on the power play. It looked like he never missed a beat. Uh, if Spiza comes back, I would envision that Hunt would probably, Hunt and Merrill would be the defenseman out. Okay, gotcha. 641 Inside Sports on 630 Shed. Brian Blessing joining us from the Vegas Hockey Hotline, AM 1400. Okay, so let's let's look ahead here to the specific matchup. The LA Kings, uh, and they've still got a lot of players who won Stanley Cups. they still got a goaltender who is outstanding. And, you know, I had Kelly Moore on from CGOB of Winnipeg in the, in the last half hour, and, and he said, hey, I favor the Jets. He's covered the Jets all year. But, you know, sometimes something early in a series can change the tone. And you and I both know that any, any, any sport, any playoff, an early bounce, an early individual performance can, can change the complexion of the whole series. Um, so first of all, I'll ask you this. What, from someone who's covered the Golden Knights all year, what would most concern you about the matchup with the Kings? The ability for the Golden Knights defense hold up over the course of seven games against this team. Okay. And that's just the the grinding of the Kopitars and the Carters of the world, or what do you, is that what you mean? I think the game is just so markedly different. I would envision five seconds after the puck is dropped, the first time the Kings get a chance to scale it into the Golden Knights end of the rink, uh, they will be saying hello to Marc-Andre Fleury. Right. And that will be the nature of the beast. And it's a different game. You watch when teams kill penalties. Now, I don't know when the game changed where they all do this box. I know there's always been the box defense, but the guys would be down low and clear the front of the net. Now the, the defenders are up in the high slot, and everybody's trying to become a goaltender. Uh, and you know they're going to call it different in the playoffs. Guys are going to be in Flurry's grill from the get-go. And Vegas uh, doesn't, you know, McNabb's a pretty big guy. England's a tough customer. I think Spieth can fill the bill. But I think the Kings are a big team, and I, I see Carter and Brown and Kopitar and these guys just living in the blue paint. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what and, and I mean, Quicks had a good season, obviously. So this is going to be an interesting series because it is the the sort of the unexpected team against a bunch of guys that have done it before. So that's what's going to make it really interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned the. And I don't want you to get. I want to, I want you to touch on this. And obviously, there, I think there's a context here, Brian, with the with the the tragic shooting in Vegas early in the season. Um, and, and I mentioned how sometimes something early in a series can change the vibe of it, or maybe affect the team positively or negative. But as much as we talk about some of the the great stats the Golden Knights have, and and the coach and the manager, I, I'm guessing there's there's a certain mental resolve to this group as well. That uh, would you say it, it, it's very uh, they they have that playoff resolve already in their minds? Well, we don't know, but there's they've given you no indicator. They never lost more than three in a row. They showed a, a ridiculous ability to bounce back. Uh, they went through five goalies. Uh, in the right. first, you know, <laughs> two months of the season, and went on a tear. Um, 
and it's funny, you know, you bring up the emotion of what happened here in Vegas, uh, and it was this kind of galvanizing thing for the team with the community, but I think it was as well, you know, in the room for the team, and they felt part of the community. Uh, maybe when they came in here, these guys were like kind of mercenaries, and everybody was an RFA or a UFA coming here to prove a point, but they fell in love with the city, and, you know, I mean, the awful tragedy, we just saw it this past weekend, I mean, with you know, the unthinkable thing that happened to the Humboldt Broncos, you looked at what that was around the hockey world. Mike Babcock choking down back tears, uh, teams holding hands, circling at center ice. I mean, hockey is like that. It's it's a big family. It's a fraternity and, a, and emotion and a brotherhood and passion. It, it, it sounds cliche, but these are all very tangible things when you play a sport where, you know, having your teammates back means so much. Yeah, well said. Brian, I'll close with one more. And, and you talked about your uh, your history in, in, in Buffalo, and I know you've, you told the story about getting the hockey show going in, in, in Vegas. So uh, you're a huge hockey fan. You're a huge hockey guy. Let me ask you this, and I'll exclude the Vegas LA series. If for some reason somebody said to you, Brian, I, you, we only have one TV you can use, and it only gets one channel, but you can pick the first-round playoff series you want to watch, which one would you pick and why? It's close. Part of me is a knuckle-dragging knuckle, knuckle dragging Neanderthal. <laughs> probably watch every second of Pittsburgh Philly. Uh, <laughs> just give them sticks and knives and get it over with. Uh, the other one, I think, is Boston-Toronto. Uh, I think it, it's, a, it's a really compelling series where, you know, how far can the young guns go for uh, the lease with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and... You know, I, I I wonder if to this day that they just see the Bruins uniform and the hair in their arms stands up, thinking back to when you know Reimer let the medicine ball in four times at the end of the game right. in 2013. <laughs> I, you know, no, but I I, I think I think Boston Toronto is going to be a phenomenal series, and uh, I I think I, I think in the West I, I think Anaheim San Jose is a really good series too. Brian, it's always great to have you on the show. You're always so generous with your time. Uh, we've talked a lot this season, and uh, I don't want that to stop uh, when we get into next season or whatever happens in the playoffs. You're always great to have on the show. Oh, Reed, likewise. Always appreciate you making the time down here, too. Right on. That is Brian Blessing checking in tonight from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Great show in Vegas, AM 1400. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a... What a season to be hosting a hockey show in Vegas. Uh, just unbelievable. Brian's a great guest, and the Golden Knights are a great team. And I, I think, well, that's that's what I'm wondering, too. Are, are the Golden Knights, if you're an Oilers fan, because uh, I know my, my, my dad, the Golden Knights, he's all in for the Golden Knights. I said, so you're going to watch the playoffs? He's like, well, you're darn right. i got to watch my Golden Knights. I'm like, your Golden Knights? He's like, well, they're my second favorite team now. Is he'd he'd watch their games during the regular season. You know they're on a little little later. So after he walks the dog or whatever, puts the Golden Knights on, watches the third period. They usually win. My dad's on the Golden Knights bandwagon. I I think I'm getting the sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm getting the sense for Oilers fans. Uh, if you're if you're going to adopt this uh, a new favorite team for the playoffs, it's probably going to be Jets or Golden Knights. But we'll see. 648, you can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Still scoreless. Blue Jays and Orioles, they're in the top of the seventh. We're coming right back. Hi, this is...
this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. That was the Nuge. He'll play for Canada at the Worlds. Bill Peters going to coach Canada. Former coach of the Killam Junior B Wheat Kinks. The Big L picking pens over Predators in the final. Is that, is that a text from last year, Big L? Daniel says the Golden Knights will lose in the first round in six games to L.A. Quick and Dowdy will be the X-Factors. Winnipeg over Tampa in seven to win the Cup. 1993 was the last time my Habs won the Cup. The last Canadian team. Canada is due. That is from Daniel to 630-630. Yeah, 1993. The last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. An amazing run for the Montreal Canadiens who uh, were a pretty good team but weren't picked to do that well in the playoffs. They were they were sixth overall in a 24-team league, but third in their division. So uh, they didn't have home ice against Quebec in the first round. Lost game one. They blew a two-goal lead late in the third period, I think in the final three minutes. Quebec won in overtime. Quebec won the second game. Then the Canadians won game three in overtime, took the series in six. Buffalo upset Boston in the first round. So the Canadians got a break there. Uh, I believe they swept Buffalo, winning three of the four games in overtime. And in the Patrick division, the other side of the Eastern draw, the New York Islanders stunned the Penguins. Wasn't that the year the Penguins went 17-0-1 to end the season? I think they had a 17-game winning streak right at the end of the year. Uh, that was David Volek. Remember, Kellen? You, well, you probably don't remember. because I born have in his hockey card at home but you, <laughs> from but, that year. But you probably don't remember. I remember. Uh, David Volek scored in Game 7 overtime. Islanders knocked off the Penguins, so then the Canadians got a bit of an advantage with that draw. Didn't have to play the Penguins. Beat the Islanders in five. Played Gretzky and the Kings in the final. And uh, they beat, won that series in five. The Marty Mc, so the Kings won Game One. They were up late in Game Two, in the Montreal form. Canadians called for a stick measurement. Eric Desjardins then tied it with the goalie on the bench. Then Eric Desjardins won it in overtime. Got a hat trick that game. Then the Canadians won Games uh, Three and Four in Los Angeles, both in overtime. And uh, then won at home in five to win the Stanley Cup. The Canadians played 20 games in the playoffs that year. 11 of them went to overtime. They won the last 10. The Toronto Maple Leafs played 21 games in the playoffs that year. Didn't make the Stanley Cup final. They went 7-7-7 seven, seven, and, seven and lost to Gretzky and, uh, and the Kings. Uh, Norm in a combine says, uh, Hey, Reed, Nashville should be the ones raising the cup. Yakushev says catfish and beans for the Stanley Cup meal. I think he's picking Nashville, eh, Kellen? Yep, and beans... Uh, catfish. Boston, right? Beantown? Oh, there you go. Yeah, there we I go. I thought so maybe Nashville, you wanted Boston. to mix. Boston. I thought maybe they served beans with catfish. I don't know. No, not there at Boston's least. Boston's a good team. Yeah, they are. Uh, Richard says bring Stanley home. I want that scumbag Bettman to hand the Stanley Cup to a Canadian team finally. Jets and Leafs in the final. That is from Richard, who uh, 
clearly doesn't like Gary Bettman. And well, maybe for Richard Scumbag's, uh, you know, a term of affection, or like how you might say to your buddy, like, "Hey, scumbag, what's going on? Want to get a beer?" Hey, scumbag. Hey, loser. Maybe that's what Richard means. Let's be positive, Kellen. Let's be friendly. Poor Gary Bettman. All right. Uh, this texture says, uh, is this Bretsky texting in? I can tell some of the textures now by how they, how they write. I'm not sure if that's the same or not. Um, this texture says, uh, barring injuries, if the Jets can keep the team together, they are the best current and future team in Canada. I would like to see a Jets-Leafs final, and I would love to see the look on mighty Mike Babcock's face when the Leafs, or sorry, when the Jets lift Lord Stanley. That's great. <laughs> Uh, Sam G texting in. Always love to hear from him. He says, Reed, my prediction is Nashville over Toronto in the Stanley Cup final. Lots of varied predictions. That's pretty cool. Okay, we'll uh, go to Tampa Bay. Are, are they still the favorite as much as they were about six weeks ago? Didn't have a great finish to the season. Matt Salmon is going to check in at 7.30. We are scheduled to be joined by the guy behind the Sticks Out for Humboldt initiative. You've seen on social media, I'm sure many of you left your hockey stick out on your porch to remember the Humboldt Broncos. And, well, because I promised we would do it at some point, Kellen Kennedy with his WrestleMania recap. Looking Inside forward to Sports it. Unchecked. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.